everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Abnormal Psychologist podcast, hosted by Dr. Colby Taylor, a psychologist and an associate professor of behavioral sciences at Christian Brothers University in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, it's nap time again in the Taylor household. Uh, I actually brought the baby monitor up here to my recording studio slash home gym slash home office. It's really a multi-purpose room. So you might hear in the background some kids sort of babbling. I don't think that they've actually gone off to sleep yet. But um, I'm going to try to take advantage of this time and record an episode. Uh, this is actually my last week of summer. Um, I'm recording this on Friday, August 12th, 2022. Um, I start back on Monday. I believe it's the 15th. Um, I finally got my syllabi ready for the semester. Uh, so I'm super excited, um, not procrastinating too much this semester. So I'm in good shape and I'm um, hoping to be able to crank out some episodes as the semester starts. Uh, and usually my, my students, I'm teaching four classes this semester, uh, come up with really good episode ideas or episode requests. Um, so stay tuned. Hopefully I'll have some. We'll get to the mailbag at the end of this episode. Um, I think between now and almost a month ago when I published the last episode, um, I've gotten like four or five mailbag emails with some awesome um, episode requests. So definitely a lot of content to keep us going through the season. Uh, today's episode topic is going to be on insanity. Uh, so I mentioned I, you know, I'm starting the semester next week. Uh, I'm teaching uh, psychopathology is one of the courses that I'm teaching. And in my psychopathology courses, um, I often get asked by somebody, you know, what is the definition of insanity? You know, I'm flipping through the DSM-5, TR, whatever, and I don't see insanity in there. What is insanity? Um, and you've probably heard sort of the pithy uh, definition of insanity, that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I, ha I hate that definition. Um, I mean, you can do the same thing over and over again, and eventually it's really effective, right? Like if you're trying to uh, bang down a door or something, eventually you're going to crack through that door. It's just repetition sometimes is a really good thing. I don't think repetition is necessarily insane. Uh, but anyways, insanity is a legal term. It's not a medical or psychological term. Uh, you know, for the word nerds out there, for all of you etymologically minded folks, um, you know, the root of insanity, sane, comes from the Latin for sanus, which means healthy. Right. And from Sanus, we also get, you know, the root for sanitizer, like hand sanitizer. Um, about a month ago, you know, I was driving through Mississippi down to the Gulf of Mexico for our family vacation. Uh, and if you're going through Mississippi, I think sort of close to Hattiesburg um, is a town called Sanatorium. And it's named Sanatorium because there was an old hospital there. And you'll see sanatoriums throughout the United States. They're usually uh, old tuberculosis hospitals from like the late 19th, early 20th century. Again, sanatorium comes from the Latin for sanus. Uh, let's get a little more Latin in today. You know, and I don't really speak Latin. I don't even really speak pig Latin. Um, I don't really understand pig Latin, uh, to be honest with you. I know that you take some letters from the end of a word or anyways, I have no idea what pig Latin is. Um, but I did take criminal law in high school. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous episode, uh, but up until my junior year of undergrad, um, I thought that I wanted to become a lawyer. And I had taken the LSAT, which is you know one of the entrance exams for law school. I did pretty well on it. I got admitted to law school, um, but I had a change of heart uh, sort of between my junior and senior year of undergrad. That's when I decided to become a psychologist, an abnormal psychologist. Uh, but anyways, way back in high school, I took criminal law, 
and I learned what men's ray is, M-E-N-S, and then there's a separate word, R-E-A. You hear the kids maybe chirping in the background on the baby monitor. They're definitely not taking a nap right now. Uh, but men's ray means guilty mind. Um, and sort of the basis of the criminal justice system, right, is that you have to have volition. You have to have intention to commit a wrong act, right? It's, it's not a wrong act if you're doing it accidentally, you have to have that guilty mind. You know what you're doing, and you know what you're doing is wrong. Um, and so this episode is going to talk sort of about the history of insanity, which again is a legal term. So we're going to talk about some famous court cases related to insanity or the insanity defense. Let's dive in with the first case. Um, the first case is going to be that of Daniel McNaughton. This is going to be from the mid-1800s. That last name, McNaughton, you'll see spelled a bunch of different ways. Uh, I think he, um, he was from Glasgow, Glasgow, Scotland. You know I love a good trivia question. So trivia question, what is the demonym of somebody from Glasgow? So demonym being like if you're from Memphis, you're a Memphian. If you're from Boston, you're a Bostonian. Uh, what is the demonym of somebody from Glasgow? And the demonym from, of somebody from Glasgow is Glaswegian. And I don't even know if I'm pronouncing Glasgow right. And I've been to Glasgow a couple of times. Is it Glasgow, Glasgow? I don't know. Uh, back to Daniel McNaughton. So again, the name McNaughton could be spelled differently. Sometimes you'll see it spelled M-C-N-A-U-G-H-T-E-N. Sometimes you'll see it spelled M apostrophe N-A-U-G-H-T-E-N. So you'll see variations in spelling. Again, I'm not a very good speller. Back in seventh grade, in the spelling bee, school spelling bee, I got out on the word dumbbell. I misspelled dumbbell. I spelled it D-U-M-B-E-L-L when it should be spelled D-U-M-B-B-E-L-L. Back to Daniel McNaughton. So Daniel McNaughton, he was Scottish, but he moved to London, England. And in 1843, he was skulking about London when he shot Edward Drummond, uh, who was the prime minister um, and the prime minister at the time was Robert Peel. He was Robert Peel's secretary, the prime minister's secretary. And McNaughton shot him in the back with a pistol. And as was often the case in the mid-1800s, the, the pistol wound was actually pretty minor. Um, but infection set in, and five days later, Drummond died. And there was some conjecture after the fact that McNaughton might have actually mistaken Drummond for the prime minister, Robert Peel, and he might have actually meant to kill Peel. So it was a case of mistaken identity. Uh, anyways, McNaughton goes on trial, and uh, there's a parade of mental health experts at this trial, uh, and it's found that McNaughton was suffering from delusions of persecution. And we know that delusions of persecution are oftentimes tied into uh, delusional disorders um, and psychosis. So the argument was that McNaughton didn't know right from wrong. He didn't have that mens rea, that guilty mind that we talked about a little bit ago. And so the jury found him not guilty by reason of insanity. And this was by no means the first verdict to find somebody not guilty by reason of insanity, uh, but it did become one of the most famous cases of uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, anyways, McNaughton was sent to the lunatic asylum at Bethlehem. And so a little bit of etymology, and I think I mentioned this in my first podcast episode, or one of the first podcast episodes, uh, Luna is the Roman goddess of the moon. And it was uh, thought in ancient times and even today by some people uh, that there's an association between the lunar cycle and uh, mental health, uh, especially like psychiatric emergencies. 
Although there have been research studies that have found that there's really no association between the lunar cycle and psychiatric emergency room admissions. Uh, also, etymologically, he was sent to Bethlehem, the, the lunatic asylum. Uh, Bethlehem is where we get the term bedlam from. Uh, bedlam meaning like a noisy chaos. Um, anyways, uh, so he was sent to Bethlehem originally, and then he was transferred to Broadmoor Psychiatric Hospital. Um, Broadmoor, you might have heard referred to in one of my previous episodes. Um, we, we talk about Broadmoor in the schizophrenia episode, I believe. We talked about W.C. Minor. W.C. Minor was, uh, he suffered from schizophrenia, um, and he was integral in creating the Oxford English Dictionary. And there's a book about Minor called The Professor and the Madman. Uh, anyways, uh, McNaughton died about 20 years um, after his 1843 assassination attempt or um, I guess it wasn't an assassination attempt on Edward Drummond, whatever happened there. Anyways, after the trial. Uh, and this happened during the reign of Queen Victoria, um, early in the reign of Queen Victoria. I believe Queen Victoria um, uh, took the throne uh, in the mid-1830s, maybe, late 1830s. And she had, I believe, eight assassination attempts in the course of her life. And there was actually an assassination attempt three years before McNaughton's 1843 um, adventure, whatever we want to call it. Uh, and so in 1840, uh, Queen Victoria was um, in her carriage. Uh, she was pregnant at the time um, with her, I believe, second born, which would be a son, um, who I believe was also named Albert after his father, but I think they called him Bertie. But anyway, she was riding through the park in her carriage, um, this bartender named Edward Oxford tries to shoot the then pregnant queen. She survives. Um, and I believe he is found not guilty by reason of insanity. So again, the McNaughton case was by no means sort of the first successful insanity defense. Um, also Queen Victoria, um, in the 1880s, uh, was the target of an assassination attempt by Roderick McLean. Um, who attempted to shoot the queen at a railroad platform by what some accounts describe as um, he had a toy gun. And so he'd be placed at Broadmoor, just like McNaughton was. And his case would lead to an act of parliament called the Trial of Lunatics Act of 1883. And this act was actually uh, introduced at the urging of Queen Victoria, who by this time in her life was tired of being an assassination target by people with mental illnesses. Back to McNaughton. Uh, McNaughton is important because this is where we get the McNaughton rules from. You will usually see it M apostrophe Naughton rules. And the McNaughton rules are sort of the litmus test for sanity, for mens re. And there's essentially two questions that go along with the McNaughton rules. Uh, and they're, did you know what you were doing? And did you know what you were doing was wrong? And oftentimes the McNaughton rules uh, come up when we're talking about people committing crimes um, and there's health reasons involved, right? So maybe somebody sleepwalks and kills somebody. And there's a Hulu series uh, out called Dead Asleep, or a Hulu documentary. It's called Dead Asleep, and it's about Robert Herman Jr. killing his roommate in his sleep after stabbing her 25 times. Uh, we also see the McNaughton rules talked about with health reasons, like somebody killing somebody during an epileptic seizure. Uh, we see them come up with somebody that might not have uh, the intelligence, the, the mental age um, to know right from wrong. So uh, somebody might have a very low IQ or a very low mental age. 
And then, of course, we see that McNaughton rules come up due to psychopathology. Uh, also, sort of along the lines of assassins, um, John Hinckley, uh, who attempted to assassinate United States President Ronald Reagan, um, uh, he was found sort of not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, and he was hospitalized at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C., uh, and he was found to have, uh, or most people believe he had schizotypal personality disorder or has schizotypal personality disorder, right? Because he's still alive. Uh, he also had that famous obsession with actress Jodie Foster. And if St. Elizabeth sounds familiar, there's another famous person that was hospitalized at St. Elizabeth's or semi-famous person, and that's W.C. Minor again. So everything's coming full circle. Um, W.C. Minor, again, was the contributor to the Oxford English Dictionary. He was transferred from Broadmoor uh, in England um, in the latter years of his life to St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C. So it seems like everything's coming for full circle, right? It's crazy. Let's throw some more history in the mix. You know I'm a lover of trivia. I don't know. I think I've mentioned this in a, a previous episode um, that I am also sort of a, a, a nerd of the American Civil War. So I've always been sort of fascinated by uh, Union General Daniel Sickles. And before Daniel Sickles was a Union General in 1852, which would have been nine years before the start of the American Civil War, Daniel Sickles was in his early 30s. Um, he ends up marrying a 15-year-old and becoming a New York congressman. And as a congressman and as a married man, um, he consorted with prostitutes. And he even brought one particular prostitute into the New York State Assembly. He was censured by the New York State Assembly for that. Uh, and he also brought this prostitute to, and I believe her name was Fanny. Um, he brought Fanny to England to, again, things coming full circle, meet Queen Victoria. So he brought this prostitute. He didn't tell Queen Victoria that she was a prostitute, but he brought her across the pond to meet the queen. Anyways, wow, everything coming. I feel like I'm having a delusion of reference here, maybe. Um, so seven years after this, uh, so that was in, uh, 1852 that he was married. Uh, so this is 1859. Uh, his wife began having an affair with who was described as the most handsome man in Washington, DC. Uh, and his wife was also described as quite the looker herself. She was no longer 15. I guess by this time she's 22 years old or so. Um, and this most handsome man in Washington, DC was Philip Barton Key, the second. Philip Barton Key II was the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia. And that name Key is important because he was also the son of Francis Scott Key. And you should know that name, Francis Scott Key, because he was the creator of the Star-Spangled Banner, um, the United States National Anthem. Anyways, Sickles caught Key and his wife um, consorting. I feel like I used the word consorting several times in this episode. Um, that's a euphemism. He found them consorting in their uh, home library, in uh, Sickles' home library. And so he approaches Key, and he shoots Key in Lafayette Square, which is now Lafayette Park, which is right next to the White House. So if you've gone to the White House, um, I believe it's on the north side of the White House, um, you'll see Lafayette Park. I think it's got the big controversial statue of Andrew Jackson. Um, I remember after my, I uh, had my Jeopardy tryouts in Washington, D.C., and I remember after having the tryouts, it was at a hotel in Washington, uh, sitting on a bench in Lafayette Square and looking at the White House. So again, things are coming full circle in this episode. Um, of course, Daniel Sickles, as I mentioned, would become a Union Civil War general, uh, probably most famous for his actions during the Battle of Gettysburg. 
So on the second day of the Battle of Gettysburg, July 2nd, he moved his corps forward from the main Union line. So he's well in advance of the Union lines on Cemetery Ridge and Little Round Top um, to the Wheatfield, Peach Orchard, and Devil's Den. Um, and you might call this military maneuver insane. Uh, anyways, going back to the Philip Barton Key thing, um, uh, Daniel Sickles was found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. So this is what's coming up in this insanity episode. He was found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. Uh, uh, at Gettysburg too, he was wounded by a, a cannonball. His right leg was shattered by a cannonball. And so on one of my other trips to Washington, D.C., when I was in eighth grade, we went on this eighth grade field trip. I really wanted to see, because by then I was already a full-blown Civil War nerd. Um, we went to the National Museum of Health and uh, Medicine, which is in Silver Spring, Maryland. And I knew at the National Museum of Health and Medicine, eighth grade Colby, knew that Daniel Sickles' leg was on display there. And so the one thing that I wanted to see, the one thing I asked my teachers to see was Daniel Sickles' leg bones. Um, and so I was able to see them there. Uh, so anyways, this is sort of my episode on insanity. I know that there have been other high-profile cases that aren't 150, 200 years old. Um, but, you know, this covers some of them. And I need to watch that Hulu series. Um, or maybe it's not a series. Maybe it's just a one-shot documentary. I'm not even sure. That's why I probably need to watch it. Maybe it'll come up in my, one of my psychopathology courses that I'm teaching this semester. But it sounds really interesting. What did I call it? Dead asleep. Um, I just don't know how you can stab somebody 25 times in your sleep. Um, color me skeptical before even watching this. Um, okay, let's check the mailbag. And again, I had a lot of mailbag emails uh, in the last month or so. I'll try to get to them all in future episodes. Some great episode requests and ideas. You can send episode requests, ideas, criticisms, whatever, to ctaylo41 at cbu.edu. And I'll try to get to them, make them into episode whatever. Um, so this one says, hello, Dr. Taylor. I'm a, an undergraduate psychology slash neuroscience major about to embark on my last year of undergrad. <clears throat> the neuroscience thing is cool. After I record this episode this evening, I'm actually going over to one of my colleagues' house. We're having a wake for the summer. Uh, he makes beer. We're going to drink beer and sort of toast to the end of the summer. And he's a neuroscientist. He and his wife are both neuroscientists. Um, so she says, I'm currently looking into graduate schools to earn my PhD in neuroscience. Uh, your podcast has been a great way for me to keep myself awake while driving, since music doesn't always do the trick. Uh, I'm glad that my uh, podcast is not so terrific, right, that it doesn't put you to sleep. Um, speaking of staying awake, I'd like to request an episode on hypersomnol hypersomnolence disorder, which would be hyper sleeping too much. Having read through it in my personal copy of the DSM-5, that's so cool that you have your own copy. Um, there are periods in my life when I definitely feel like I qualify for this disorder, even though self-diagnoses are more often than not inaccurate. I actually wonder with that last statement, if there's data to back up that self-diagnoses are more often than not inaccurate. <clears throat> I feel like most of the time people know themselves pretty well. Um, she goes on, not only am I interested in hearing you speak about hypersomnolence, I have a couple more episode topics for you to consider. Among them are misophonia, which I think is fascinating, uh, synesthesia, also fascinating, adjustment disorder, photographic memory, and your take on whether cohabitation before marriage increases or decreases the rate of divorce. 
Um, these are just some of the topics, ideas for you. Thank you for keeping at your labor of love and best wishes for you and your career. So thank you so much for the mailbag request. There's so much, many episode ideas in there. Uh, there was a famous court case that I could, um, not court case, but uh, could be going to court on misophonia in eastern Tennessee we could talk about. Um, uh, this actually came up in one of my classes. Uh, I think it was in the spring. Somebody wanted to know about misophonia. And I digressed, and they completely hijacked one of my lectures, and it was so awesome because I was so happy to talk about misophonia. Anyways, great episode ideas. Um, I'll try to get to those. Uh, again, send me some more episode ideas uh, to my email. Um, the kids, I think, are out. I'm looking at the baby monitor right now. Uh, miraculously, I think that they are taking a nap. Uh, so I'm going to take advantage of this nap time. Um, uh, take further advantage of this nap time. I was able to do this episode during it. Um, so until the next episode, take care, stay well, uh, and I'll see you in a couple weeks.